Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. All right. Uh, we'll jump right into it. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Don't have a ton of time today. I just really felt like today was really going to be a day about being in His presence and just really enjoying that. Uh, while you're turning to Genesis chapter 15, one thing I, I can't go without mentioning is next week we have one of my absolute favorite preachers on the planet uh, coming to our church. Her name's Havila Cunnington, and she, if you've never heard of Havila, you need to come. She is absolutely incredible. Some of the things she's taught me, especially in the area of hearing God, she has a website called Prophetic Personalities, and she does a really good job of teaching you how you might hear from God. There's different ways people hear from God. Some people are just knowers. You have a thought, and you just know, and you're like, well, that couldn't be God. It just popped into my head. It's like, well, no, that's how he made you. You know. <laughs> and there's perceivers, and there's all these different uh, personalities and, and, and hearing God types. And so she's been hugely influential in my life. Uh, she's really kind of taken off in the last couple of years across the country, speaking all over the world, some of the biggest conferences in the world. And, and we have her here. She's going to be here on Sunday morning. She's also doing our Dwell Women's event that night, uh, which is absolutely sold out with I think 20 or 30 people on the waiting list, so you're probably not getting in if you're not in uh, already, but for free, and on Sunday morning, two services, you can still come here, so I do invite you to come. Uh, if you, in, maybe you're one of those, that, man, I don't want to listen to a woman preacher. Well, you're wrong. Come anyway. Um, <laughs> she's awesome, and um, some of the greatest leaders I've ever worked uh, with or for uh, were, were women, and I just, I, I just think the world of her, and I think she's going to do something uh, incredible for this church, and so we're just super ha- glad to have her. She will be here next week, so don't miss next week. Invite a friend. Amen? Super quick re- review. Last week, we started uh, a talk on, on, on a very simple, simple, simple title, I guess, you, if you will. What do you believe? What do you believe? Um, a friend of mine, or I say a friend of mine, a guy I listen to a lot, uh, it kind of introduced me to this idea of sometimes we can... Def- discover what we really believe by what we speculate. Uh, I, heard a, I heard a message one time on speculation, positive speculation. In other words, oftentimes when, th- when you don't have all the information, things aren't, you don't, have, you don't know what's going on, you can find out what you believe about a situation by what you speculate. You can find out how renewed your mind is to the kingdom of God, the goodness of God, by what it is you speculate. Example, case in point, uh, you're a parent, you get a voicemail on your phone from the principal, you check it, it says, hey, this is the principal of school. I've got your kid here. I really need to talk to you. Uh, would you please call me as soon as you can? What are you thinking? Are you thinking they're acting like you <laughs> and doing something they shouldn't be doing? Is like, are you acting like their daddy? Are they acting like their mama? Or, or are you thinking maybe your kid was so transformed in children's ministry that he laid hands or she laid hands on someone on the playground and they were healed? Yeah, you weren't thinking that. Don't act like you were. What do you speculate? What do you, what do you speculate when your wife's supposed to be home at 5 o'clock and now it's 6 o'clock, now it's 7 o'clock and she's not home and she's not answering her phone and then she shows up and you're like, hey, what, what happened? Oh, nothing. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Girl, you better tell me where you were. <laughs> what do you speculate? Was something going on? Was something negative going on? Do you speculate negative? Or like I said last week, maybe she was met up with one of your friends because she didn't really know what that favorite deer rifle you wanted, and she was buying you a new deer rifle. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what do you spec? Do you speculate negative or do you speculate positive? Oftentimes, that's a clue into what you really believe. 
what you really think, what, what, what things are really on the inside. The Bible, said out, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Even more so out of the abundance of the heart, the mind thinks. What's in there? You, you, what are you dwelling on? What are you really, really believing? And it's important that we understand what we believe because we learned this last week. Belief is the activator of the new covenant. Belief is the activator of the covenant by which you and I relate to God. We learned about our father Abraham. We did the song. I'm not marching again today for you. Uh, father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. What's the point? He is the father of the faith because he was the first to represent a covenant by which it's not what you do that connects you with God. It's what you believe. It's not what you do for God. It's what you believe. We read this in Genesis chapter 15. This is kind of how it started for, for, for Moses. It says, after this, Moses, Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who I will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be the heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your, of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside, says, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed, you can even count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And notice Abram's response. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteous. So there's three things that we see here, and this is, this is a, a prophetic foreshadowing of the covenant that we have access to today, how we relate, covenant, how we relate how we relate to God, the same way Abraham did. The word of the Lord comes, believe the word, count it as righteousness. Jesus came, believe in Jesus, you'll be righteous. It's not something that you do, it's something that you believe. He's the father of the faith because he was the first one that got to interact with God and relate to God, not based on what he did for God, but what God chose to do for him. Abram believed and God counted it as righteousness. I want to read a scripture here in Galatians 3 just to add some, we didn't talk about this last week, but just to add a little bit to it. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 13, says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. In, this, in these two verses, three covenants are uh, alluded to. The covenant of the law, the Abrahamic covenant, and then the new covenant, the covenant of the law says this, you get what you do. And if you don't do good, you get bad, you get curses. So the Bible says Jesus came to redeem us from what? The curse from the law. So he came to get rid of that curse so that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. He's alluding to the covenant he made with Abraham that was, had the same results, but not different in the fact that it didn't take Jesus to get him there. What got him there? Believing, just believing. Believing got Abram righteousness. So he talks about that covenant. And then he also talks about our new covenant all throughout. It says Christ, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. So there was redemption in this covenant. The blessing of Abraham is in this covenant. The, the promised spirit is in this covenant. And so he's talking about these three covenants. What's interesting, and what's interesting is oftentimes when the blessing of Abraham is talked about, we can, we can zoom right by the blessing of being made righteous because of belief. And we go to a lot of other things that the Bible talks about that Abram uh, that happened to Abram or God did for Abram because of his covenant with him. He talk, and I wrote a couple of them down, and you can go back from Genesis 12, Genesis 15. It's all throughout there. It says, he told Abram at one point, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. 
I'm going to make you rich. You're going to be so rich, you're going to bless others. How many of you guys believe those are good blessings? That's, that's not a problem. That's not, that's not a bad thing. But it's real easy for us to zoom past the blessing of righteousness by faith and zoom to the quote-unquote stuff. And I propose to you, there is no blessing greater than being made righteous by faith. There is no blessing greater than not having to earn your righteousness by your church attendance, by your tithe, by not saying cuss words, by making sacrifices, by any other act of obedience. The greatest blessing that God ever gave us was the ability, the blessing of, if you'll just believe, I'll make you righteous. If you'll just believe. So we have that blessing, the same one that Abram had, we have access to that covenant. Now, Today, for the next few minutes, I just want to talk about uh, this idea of imperfections and faith. Imperfections and faith. And I propose to you today that God doesn't want you to be perfect. He just wants you to live by faith. I propose to you God doesn't even need you to be perfect, but he needs you to walk by faith. You go back to the father of the faith, Abraham, and you look at his life. And in Genesis chapter 12, I talked about how God said, leave your country. This, This is some of last week. Uh, God told Abram, go to your, uh, leave your country, leave your kinfolk, and go to a land not of, you know, not of. And then he promised him all these, these blessings. And the Bible says, and Abraham obeyed the Lord, and he went, and he did something really, really hard. He lived by faith. He, he obeyed the voice of the Lord, even when it didn't make any sense. So we see this father of the faith stepping out in faith and doing what God told him to do. But I want, I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. This is immediately following that story. So immediately following God speaking to Abram, telling him something crazy and Abraham doing it, here's what happened. Verse 10, and at that time a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. And as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are very beautiful. You're a very very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife? Abram, I just get a picture in my head like, Abram must not have been that good looking. That's like, he's in his mind already thinking like, they're going to be like, you and her? (laughs) You must be rich or something. (laughs) You got something. They're going to say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. It's Abram talking to his wife now. Now just in your husband's in your head. Just tell me if you can get away with this one. Why don't you just tell them you're my sister? Then they'll spare my life. And they might even treat me well because of their interest in you. In other words, they might be good to me just so they can hook up with you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. And when the palace, offic- the palace officials saw her, they sang praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarah was taken into the palace. We'll see later that he was taken, she was taken into the palace to be the wife, one of the wives of Pharaoh. this is just the way I picture it. It's like uh, I picture them, they're on this travel, they're on this journey, and Abram's on his donkey, Sarah's on her donkey, and then every now and then he just looks over and goes, "Mm, mm." what are you grunting at, Abram? Nothing. Mm, 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 mm. Abram quit. (laughs) Girl, you know you look good. (laughs) You know you look good, right? Ooh, I'm lucky to have you. I tell you what, ain't, it's, ain't no telling what guys would do to have a girl like you. It'd be like, oh, yeah, there ain't no telling what a guy will do to have a girl like you because, man, we all know guys do crazy stuff to hook up with a hot girl. But um, we're fixing to be going into a land where I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do to me. And all of a sudden he gets this idea 
Starts off as a compliment. Next thing you know, he's in fear. And I'm just trying to picture the environment in which he shares all this with her. And Sarah says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. I'll be your sister for a while. We'll see how that works. What's even more interesting is that we're reading here in verse you know, 10 through 15-ish. Right before that, you've got Abraham, the great father of the faith, hearing the voice of the Lord, obeying the voice of the Lord. And all of a sudden, we get to verse 10, 11, 12, 13, and it's Abram, liar, liar, pants on fire. It's, it's, it's interesting, and of course, in our, in our, especially those of us who are raised in this culture and this generation, that have, especially with a lot of law teaching that most of us have heard, it's like, oh, Abram's going to lie. He's going to tell everybody that's his sister. There's going to be something coming, something bad's coming to him. You, can't, you ain't going to get away with lying. No, sir, not, not, not going to happen. Not going to get away with it. But, but you got to remember that there's a different covenant in place here. There's a, Abram has this, this different covenant, not to mention, notice in, ver, in Romans chapter 5 what it says. This is, this is mind-boggling. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, When Adam sinned, sinned in the world, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Verse 13, Yes, people have sinned even before the law was given. People have sinned before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin. Why? Because there was not yet any law. Another translation, I think it's the New King James or maybe even the King James both, they say that the sin was not imputed. They use this word imputed. In other words, you don't get the penalty of it. You don't get the penalty of the sin. This, what Abram's dealing with right now is a whole nother, it's in a whole nother realm. There's not any law. Also, we just read, Abram's got a different covenant with God. It's not a law covenant. It's a, if you believe, you're righteous. If you believe, you're righteous. So yeah, Abram lied. Yeah, that was a sin, but there wasn't a penalty for the sin. Plus, Abram's operating under a different covenant. Now let's keep reading. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 16, says, Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply, saying, What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife. Why did you say she's my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Better question, why didn't Sarah say, hey, we, this sounded cool at first when I was just, you just didn't want to die, but now that I got to hook up with the ball Pharaoh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. It says, now then, here is your wife. Take her. And in Texas, we'd have said, y'all get up on out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all of his possessions. So what's interesting here is Pharaoh's, first of all, there's no law, so there is no penalty of sin. There's this covenant between Abraham and God where if you just believe, because of his belief, he was considered righteous by God. Here's a guy in that environment under that covenant Here's a guy who, yeah, he's the father of the faith, and there's times, man, he is knocking it out of the park. God says to do it, he does it. God says go this way, he goes. God says go that way, he goes. But he's also the same guy that every now and then still has to deal with a little bit of fear. 
He's still a guy that every now and then still has to struggle, has, has struggles with some things, so much so that he's such in fear. He's so not trusting God. He's got so many issues going on. He can actually convince his own wife to say, you know what? Act like you're not my wife. Just act like you're my sister. And I won't even make a big deal if you go sleep with Pharaoh. That's dysfunction. <laughs> Abram, he may be the father of the faith, but Abram... He's got issues. What's interesting about this is we watch how God relates to Abram. Of course, you can look how he's pretty hard on Pharaoh, but he's, he's, so, he's so gracious to, to, to Abram in this. There was no penalty to him or to his wife. for what the, In fact, not only was there no penalty, in the lie, he got a whole bunch of stuff. And then instead of the Pharaoh saying, now, give me that stuff back. I only gave you that so I could hook up with your sister. Oh, your wife, sorry, whatever she is. It says that the Pharaoh says, now you can keep all the possessions. So he just got richer and he got an escort out of the country to make sure nobody messed with him. How can, how can it be that you can make the wrong decisions, you can do the wrong things and still end up getting blessed? One reason and one reason only. One way and one way only. It's as if God does not count your sins against you. The only way you can do the wrong thing and lie and still get blessed is if for some reason God chooses not to hold that sin against you. I am fully persuaded that the number one reason most Christians don't enjoy all that God has for them is because that they believe in some way, shape, or form they should be or they will pay for their imperfections, their imperfect church attendance, their imperfect tithing record, their imperfect potty mouth, and the, the list goes on and on, their imperfect parenting, their imperfect marriage. And in some way, shape, or form, the enemy comes in and says, you're going to pay for this. You don't get away with stuff like this. You don't get away with talking like this. You don't, you don't get away with stuff like this. Yet we see an example here in Scripture, Genesis chapter 12, where Abram was blessed, even though his behavior was less than perfect. Does it look that way for us? I mean, we see it in the Old Testament, but does it, does it look that way for us? Do you, do you and I have access to this same covenant? Is, is, it, is it true? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, and I close right here. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Can we just, before we get any further, can we all admit, this is, a, this is talking about the salvation process. This is talking about what was made available to every single one of us by what Jesus did on the cross. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was, this is what he was doing in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. No longer counting people's sins against them. It's almost hard to wrap your head around this, but you have to, you have to believe me. If you have received Jesus as your personal, personal Lord and Savior and you are hidden in Christ, he's in you, you're in, in him, God will no longer, ever, no, not once, 
count your sins against you. He will no longer count your sins against you. If you read on in the story, you know, Abram, Abram, like I said, Abram, he had some, he had some things. He had some doubt. He had some issues that he needed to work through. In fact, when, after, when things weren't working out and he wasn't having a kid and he wanted to have a kid, he's supposed to be the father of many nations, wasn't having a kid, wasn't having a son. He ends up sleeping with one of the servant girls and he gets an Ishmael. And if you read on, Ishmael, his son that was born through Hagar, they had some problems. And I'm here to tell you, if you your sin might produce some, some natural consequences on this earth, but you just have to understand, they have nothing to do with God. What, what you're dealing with has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with how he feels about you. And even better yet, it has nothing to do with what you still have access to if you can believe that he's not counting your sins against you. More good will come to you, more good will come to you in your life by believing that even when you sin, God won't count it against you than if you always do it right and take credit for it. God can do more in your life, but I, I, I'm telling you, this, 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 was a, this was a big part of my journey. big part of my journey was learning this, Lord, this is crazy. How can I expect you to continue to bless me and do all these things for me if I still know I have these issues in my life? And what happened is my mind would be bombarded. I don't know if you're like this, but when you, when you have a flaw, when you have a thing that you're working on, maybe there's some pride in your life. Maybe you got a foul mouth. Maybe you're looking at pornography. Maybe you're cheating the, the IRS with, in your business. It's wearing you out in your mind. You don't need a punishment. Of, you don't need to go to jail. You don't, need, you're, you don't even need your wife to catch you doing something. You don't need any of that to happen. I promise you, you're being tormented on the inside. You're being, tor- you're being tormented in your own mind. Those things, they wear us out on the inside. And sometimes, there, I remember times in my own life when I just, I would slip up, I would mess up and in, in, in little areas. I've never had a moral failing of any kind. I've never looked at pornography. I, I don't, I've never had those issues, but there's, I'm not saying I don't have my own issues. And who's to say whose issues are worse than anybody else's issues? And I just remember there were so many times where I was like, it, just, it would baffle me to think, okay, you're telling me that because of this new covenant, it, I, that's not going to get counted against me? That sin's not going to get counted against me? And I remember I used to have to say things out of my mouth. And every time the enemy would bombard me with the thoughts of punishment that should come or, or reper- repercussions that should come because of, uh, of my not living the way I wanted to live, whether it was walking in pride or gossip or being angry and losing my temper or whatever it was, and I'd, I, I would have those thoughts when I'd, or when I'd have those, one of those moments where I would get in pride and, and, and get in anger and, and do something or say something I shouldn't have do or said, the, Lord, the enemy would say to me, see, that's, that's why you'll never lead. That's why the Lord will never let you lead because you can't get your mouth under control, because you can't get this under control, because you still got pride in your life. And he would bombard me in my own mind with my weaknesses and my imperfections. And I used to have to say out of my mouth, I am not pride. I don't have pride. And I am not angry. I'm not an angry person. And even when I act in pride and even when I speak in anger, the finished work of Jesus on the cross covers my sin and I do not have to pay the penalty for my pride. I do not have to pay the penalty for my anger. I do not in my own parenting at times, that times when I wouldn't parent right and I would say something sharp and I'd say something sharp and harsh and I would, ah, dang it, you're, why are you being this way? And I would have to say out of my mouth, my kids will not grow up with the fruits of my harsh talk. They will grow up with the fruits of Jesus' love. 
and I, I will not pay the penalty for my harsh words. I used to have to say that over and over and over and over and over again over myself. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had to speak the word of God over my own life until I actually started believing that God would not hold my sins against me. That God would not count my sins against me. And I'm just, and I didn't mean for this message to land in January, but it did. I know for a fact in January is when a lot of people deal with this stuff. Because last year, things got busy. Thing, new job, new this, new school, new whatever. And you stopped going to church and then maybe you stopped tithing. And then lots of stuff started happening. Before you know, you're, you're nowhere near church. You're nowhere near God. You're, your life doesn't look anything like you want it to look. And you come back to church in January. And most, mostly what you're thinking about is you got to get those, imp those imperfections in your life. You got to get some Jesus. You got to get some things worked out. And I'm here to tell you the most important thing you learned in 2019 is God's not holding 2018 against you. God's not holding 2018 against you. He will not impute the sins of 2018 into 2019. Just wrap your head around this idea. You get a brand new start every millisecond. And the only thing you'll ever experience is what you have faith to experience. You will not have to be punished for your sin. But if you will believe and if you will have faith, that he's not holding his sin against you and you're in right relationship with him, then everything heaven has is yours. Everything the Father has is yours. Everything Jesus came to give you is yours. To this day, I, every, I get emotional. I, there are areas of my life where I have not seen the fullness of this yet. There, there's, there's, uh, I've dealt with, ex, you want transparency? I've dealt with eczema for a while and, and it's, I've had eczema on my body and I, for a while it was just me and it didn't bother me. I was like, ah, I just take, a, I take my medicine and still have some itchy, scratchy, or some pain when it gets hot. And it, it didn't bother me that much. And I was literally like living with it. I was just living with it. And then I started having kids and my kids started dealing with it. Had, now my, one of my kids has eczema. Then we had our newest baby. As soon as she's born, eczema. And what I realized was, <laughs> one, that's a giant I haven't killed yet. It's a generational giant that I haven't killed yet. And it, for what, and I don't know why, but it's, it's starting to affect my family. And I have taken it lightly what the finished work of the cross really means in that particular area. And so for months and months now, when I'm taking communion, I'm not just taking communion with y'all just so you can see that the pastor's taking communion. I do it both services. I, I, don't, I almost never miss communion. And every time I hold that bread, I'm confessing. My kids will not pay the penalty for my lack of faith in this area of healing. And that as I eat this bread, this bread is eradicating eczema in my body and in my family's body. And God's not holding my sins against my family. He's not counting my sins against me, and he's not counting my sins against them. This is what it means. This is what, if, if you've been a, I, I'm, I'm just, I started to say crap bag dad, but it's like, it, I don't know why I said that. Maybe you have been. You may have been a bad dad. You may, you may have been absent in your child's life. You, you, you may just not have been very good. Hear this. God can do a miracle between you and your kids, and you will not have to pay the penalty for your previous life. God can heal their hearts, and you can still represent the Heavenly Father to your natural kids. What is it that wears on you the most 
that you needed to hear today, he's not counting your sins against you. He's not counting your imperfections against you. He just needs you to believe that when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. What is it? What is it that you need? What is it that you're still holding on to? (laughs) That imperfection that's wearing you out. I want you to just, if you would, just close your eyes and bow your head. We'll just end it right here, just like this. I want you to think about that thing. I want you to think about that thing, that, that imperfection that haunts you even in your own mind. And I want you to say this out loud. God's not holding my sins against me. God's not holding my imperfection against me. Lord, help me believe by faith that I'm right with you and everything that heaven has to offer is flowing in my life even though I have imperfections because God's not holding my imperfections against me we hope you've enjoyed our podcast today You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland, Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.